welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. This is, of course, your home for forward-thinking, authentic real estate coaching ideas and motivation and, of course, education to help you get into action and make the most of this new real estate market. Now, this week, we've had a lot of fun on the radio, and one of the topics that um, we like to talk about quite a bit are real estate teams. So we're not big fans of the word teams per se, because it really does de-emphasize the fact that you have to be thinking like a business owner. So you're going to hear us using the word business owner and business interchangeably with the word team. So just keep that in mind. And if that offends any of you, well, I apologize ahead of time. But at the end of the day, you guys are business owners. So for the last few days, Julie and I have been really focusing on how to build a team, how to scale a team, how to hire, fire, train, all the, you know, up, all the pluses and minuses of actually having a real estate team, you know, forward slash small business. Um, I really would hope that all of you will go back and listen to the replays from the past week or so because they're going to, I think, in many ways, challenge you, reinforce you, um, your thinking uh, with regards to real estate teams. A lot of the uh, ideas that are out there have become dogmatic and they've gone unchallenged. And this is your opportunity to really make the decisions um, that are going to ultimately be best for you, for your family, for your goals, for your vision, for your business. So, Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and we have a lot to share with them, so I'm super excited about this show. We do. And, guys, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, this is a super wonkish radio show. In other words, we're going to be getting into some details, some specifics. And what we're doing today is, sure, everyone's basically it's easy to be a critic, right? So it's easy for someone to start criticizing the pluses and minuses of this business model versus that business model. And that's just really kind of boring. So what we're going to do is we're going to do something bold. We're going to do something that I have yet to see anyone else actually talking about publicly anywhere. Um, and we're going to talk to you about what we envision to be what possibly could be the next wave of business real estate brokerage um, you know, essentially setups. How you can c- combine the best of what works out there for the big branded brokerages, the small efficient teams, and then of course the intermediate size uh, agents with maybe lesser production, all the different variables, all the different best practices of each, we have what we are calling our unified concept for the real estate brokerage. Now, an idea for you. This is not something that Julie and I are copywriting, or this is not something that we're going to somehow claim ownership of. I want this idea to be free-flowing, and think of it almost like it's an open-source idea. In other words, we're going to give you the idea. We're going to tell you uh, what our broad concepts are. We're going to kind of drill down here and there, kind of give you the details. But for the most part, if you're entrepreneurially minded, as most of you are, you're going to take this idea, most likely, and you're going to run with it, and you're going to make it better. So that's so we're going to give you the framework, the hypothetical, perfect, you know, next-gen brokerage model. We're going to give you the framework, and if it resonates with you, go for it. And if it doesn't, well, then hopefully we've entertained you for 30 minutes. But I'm warning you ahead of time. We're going to give you some genuinely wonkish, detailed, analytical stuff because, again, we're all business owners here. And we're talking about business concepts. So you have been warned. So. Um, again, this is our modest proposal of what will be the next generation of real estate bro- uh, models. This model could work with any of the national brands, local brokerages. 
we envision this being something that both Century 21 and your local independent brokerage could easily adopt. Uh, we're going to share with you the larger vision. We consider this to be an open source idea. In other words, we want you, we want you to work and to develop this concept, so please feel free. The concept takes into consideration the attributes of the various business models and attempts to address the shortcomings. So we're going to break this uh, radio show down into three sections, the ownership structure, the cost structure, and the profit structure. So before I deep dive into this, Julie, um, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have talked about this on and off, this concept that we've had. We've talked about this on and off for like 15 years because right. we've seen that so a lot of th- people think real estate teams are the latest and greatest. Guys, real estate teams, even in their current incarnation, have been around for at least 20 years. They're certainly not new. They're new to you, but they're certainly not new to the industry. You can kind of see where the team model takes you by studying what some of the uh, the agents who have uh, used the team model for years, what they've been able to do in, uh, with their team. So if you want to know where that path takes you, it's very simple. Just basically befriend somebody who has a or has had a big, uh, large real estate team and ask them about the profit structure. Ask them about the pluses and minuses of that model. And if you're lucky, they'll tell you and they'll give you the real bottom line scoop of how things actually work out and what it's like to you know, big, you know, basically scale that kind of concept. So here's the idea. We're going to again start with and ready for it? Please take some notes. We're going to talk with you guys now about the ownership structure. So the business is owned by the agents and the founders. So the founders are going to be the folks like, you know, say there's four of us. We get together and we say we're going to start one of these next-gen real estate uh, brokerages. So those are the founders. Now, everyone could own – so there's B shares and there's A shares. You've been warned already this is getting wonkish, so here we go. An A share is a voting share. A B share generally is not a, a, a voting share. Furthermore, you could write into your uh, agreement that B shares are revocable. In other words, uh, you can actually ask for a B share to be uh, – you can demand it back. And we'll get into the specifics and why that might be an important aspect of this structure for you. Uh, the concept, again, is that the A shares are, have essentially more weight than the B shares. That's just basically the best way to think about it. So now you could say we don't want A shares and B shares. We want everyone to have A shares. So everyone has, uh, in essence, the same level of um, power inside the company. It's up to you. I wouldn't do it that way, and you'll understand more as we go through the rest of this why you may not, might not want to do it this way or that way either. Uh, but again, conceptually, you have the founders. Now, the founders can be real estate agents. It can be you and some other top producing agent you know in town. So the founders can be agents, but the shareholders, the B shareholders, they definitely have to be agents. They have to be producing. So for this to work, again, we're going to get into specifics now, you're going to have to be attracting to you some really top drawer agents, and they will be attracted to you when you hear the benefits of uh, participating in this type of business. So again, B shares are owned by the uh, uh, the founders in essence. I'm sorry, B shares are owned by the producers, the uh, the agents. Agents are generating sales. If a participating agent were to stop generating their sales, okay, their shares could be revoked. In other words, if you were to sell shares to an agent and they'd been consistently, you know, you're only going to want to attract to you as a founder. You're only going to want to have. Uh, owners in this company of agents that have been producing at a modestly or high level consistently. You don't want any low producing agents. You don't probably want, sorry, new agents, any new agents. Not to say new agents can't be top producers in a short while. I mean, Julie and I almost 20 years ago sold 100 houses our first year in the business, and there are agents out there that are producing at a high level right out of the gates. 
But that aside, this model works best with people that have long-term track records for being successful. Okay? So now, moving forward, the way this is ultimately going to work, the way this might be best for you to understand how it works, is keeping it simple, there will be 100 A shares and there will be 100 B shares. A shares to the founders, B shares to the participants. Agents would have to buy the shares to participate. Aha. So I want you to, again, think back this. It's, it, think about this. It's you and two other founders. You guys are going to be responsible as the founders for upfronting all the costs of starting this entity. Or if there's an existing entity and you wanted to restructure it, obviously there would be a lot less cost. But hypothetically, if this were essentially, say, Century 21, we're going to test this model in some great market like Atlanta or Austin or whatever, and they're going to try to pull together this concept where there are going to be substantial startup costs. A typical brokerage is going to cost, depending on how you know, fancy it is, it's going to cost as little as you know, five bucks and usually probably around, right around two hundred to $300,000 to do it right. That cost would be shouldered by the founders. Then what would happen is the founders would then sell shares in the company, the B shares, to agents, but only top-producing agents. So the initial cost, 100% the founder's responsibility. Now, the founders obviously, and we're going to get to this in a second, when we talk about the last section, which is the profit structure, the, how everyone gets the big benefit from this. But and the way it works is the founders upfront the cost, then the B shareholders essentially buy into the brokerage. Following me? Now, I'm going to leave it out there for you guys to fill in the blanks as far as what should cost what and how all that will work. But ideally, what you want to do is when you start selling uh, shares in the company, you want it so that the B share, uh, the B share purchasers are going to cover enough. Uh, their basic buy-in is going to cover, reimburse you for the startup costs and give you some uh, money to set aside for scaling, making it so that the brokerage could invest in the best of the best people, practices, systems, everything. So if there's a, you know, whatever is the best in the space, this brokerage always has to have it. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to attract very good agents to you. So if you are normally hiring um, a marketing person to work inside your, uh, you know, your brokerage for $25 an hour, I want you to go to New York City, and I want you to be like you're a Ralph Lauren looking for somebody who is an absolute phenomenal designer, and that person costs hundred grand, and I want you to hire that person. In other words, the people that you bring in, uh, to run the business and the people you run it, bring in to support the agents are unbelievably powerful, way better than the individual agents would ever be able to uh, hire to work for them directly. And again, as I get to the structure of the thing, you're going to understand more why that's going to be critical for finding agents who will want to buy the B shares. All right, now I'm going to get to one other section, Julie, and then we can take a little break and we'll talk about the cost structure. The B-share participants would need to come to the business with business. That's critical. Proven long-term track records of producing certain number of closed transactions, gross commission income. Literally, the model only works for agents who are consistently producing. Now, let's move to the cost structure. Julie, I know that financial structure was kind of confusing, but the, the fact is it is kind of opaque, and I didn't need to get into the details of it beyond what I did, which was probably too much, because guess what? When they meet with their attorneys and they meet with their CPAs, and they read the laws on selling shares in a company, FTC laws and all that, they'll basically come up with their own structure. I was just trying to get the concepts by them. Did that, did, how did I do it? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think the main thing is that uh, owning shares and buying shares, you're literally investing in the company. So you're not, the advantage to this, I think, is that you know, you're not just mentally invested, as all brokers hope their agents are, but they are literally financially invested. So I think that that's a big advantage. 
they are literally have buy-in, not just figuratively. So I think well, that's you the, act- the broad strokes. That, well, that's really critical because what Julie's saying is that, hey, brokers, one of the biggest, nastiest jobs of a brokerage is what, hiring and recruiting and retaining agents? Mm-hmm. Well, in this model, you literally, once the shares and once the uh, B shares are sold and once the uh, you know, agents are part of your brokerage, you're not going to have all that you know, drama to have to deal with because they're all participants in the business. These are all business owners that you're attracting. All the chasing of the agents and recruiting of the agents, all that, I mean, that is undoubtedly the hardest job in any brokerage, that's no longer going to have to be something that's really a big concern, which means that the brokerage, the founders, can then focus on making the best experience for their agents, who are ultimately the broker's uh, clients, the agents are, and then the agents can focus on the best experience for the consumer. So that's the way to structure this. All right, so let's talk about um, cost structure. Now, again, this is kind of opaque. It's going to be up to you guys the way it's going to work. Um, so there have been the, – what I tried to eliminate with the cost structure proposal here is that there's not a lot of ambiguity. And that's the problem with a lot of these brokerages that try to have, like, we vote on what kind of copy you're going to get. We're going to vote on what kind of – you know, who the receptionist is going to be. We're going to vote on, vote on, vote on. We're not doing that. So here's the way my humble proposal here is, the found, again, the founders are going to be the ones that are going to upfront the costs. The B shareholders do not vote or participate on hiring, running, or management aspects of the business. The founders do. A shares don't. A shares are voting shares. B shares are not. They, of course, B shareholders, agents, of course, can influence decisions, but this is not a communal business, unless everyone, of course, if you guys were to decide to structure it around owning, everyone owns A shares. But again, I talked to you about the pluses and minuses of that idea a second ago. Now, there would be an agreement that the fixed cost in the business would not exceed X. So when someone, an agent, was thinking about participating, they would see that the fixed cost of running and managing the business and the salary that the A shareholders were to get and the other B shareholders would get, they would see that there was a formulatic approach, a business approach to ascertaining what all those numbers were, and then they could then make a business decision as to whether or not the numbers would actually make sense. Um, again, this is all up to you guys how to work out. I'm just giving you the broad strokes. But the A share uh, level owners would be paid exactly like the B share um, level owners would be, and that's the salary. Okay, we're getting to the good stuff here in a second, guys. Ideally, the company is hiring the best of the best to run the business operations on the brokerage side, and as admins for the agents, every, and as admins for the agent, every agent would have a budget based on their revenue, on their actual gross commission income to be used for their individual marketing. Agents in the brokerage would be paid a salary. Now, here's the interesting thing. The salary is commensurate with what they currently are earning as team leaders or as individual practitioners. So just breaking it down, I gave you a real simple example. In other words, if you have a team that generates a million dollars in GCI and the rainmaker, owner, or whatever you want to call it, has a net income before taxes of 250000 but they're going to con- continue to generate the million dollars in GCI, you know, that's what they get as you know, they own a certain number of B shares. They have a proven track record. They're going to continue to receive that, but instead of receiving it on a transactional basis, they're going to receive it as a salary. So assuming they still produce at that same level once they buy into this model, they still get that net same net income. But what I'm doing with this model, what the idea is, is that the owner, the rainmaker, is still making the same net income but they're not having to incur all the liability and all the costs and all the hassle and all the everything else of building a team, of managing a team. 
And if you were to pull all the different, let's say, for example, you ended up having uh, 20 top producing agents that were to participate, or moderate, you know, middle level producing agents that are to participate in this model. Because of the shared amount of revenue that's coming into this entity, the entity could literally hire incredible people. So um, there would be all the resources would be shared. As an example, the marketing department would be shared. The customer, ser- all the team individual roles would then be shared amongst all the other folks that have owned B shares that are owners of this entity. You guys conceptually understand what I'm expressing here. By the way, this is very similar to how. Uh, partnerships in law firms are set up, or partnerships in medical firms are set up. A lot of doctors own are belonging to similar uh, models like this. Um, so this has been a proven concept, just not ever in the real estate space. B share. Uh, so again, to be clear, the B share owners would receive a salary that was at least what they had been receiving in the past as individual practitioners, as independent contractors. B share level agents would also receive full health care, paid vacations, 401ks all the executive perks they deserve as they, because, really, honestly, they are executives. The top-producing agent wouldn't lose any net profit, wouldn't lose anything in this model. So financially, they wouldn't lose anything. They would still be encouraged to build their independent brand. They'd still be encouraged to think of themselves as business owners. But now opposed to owning uh, all of the small pie, they're owning a smaller piece of a large pie. Conceptually, Julie, am I getting the point across here? Yeah, definitely. The quality of everything should go up with this model because you're affording better people, better marketing people, better assistants, better transaction coordinators. You can afford the best of the best, which will encourage everyone participating to do even more business at a higher level with more ease. And it won't be every agent scrambling for themselves. So I like it in in that sense that the quality of everything should go up across the board with this model. So from a budgetary perspective, let's say, for example, you have B-shares. So you would not sell the same number. We're getting to the profit model here in a second. You would not sell the same number of B-shares to an agent who's producing 250000 a year in uh, gross revenue as you would to an agent that's generating $2.5 million per year in gross revenue. So obviously the agent that's uh, producing at a higher level is going to be a uh, greater contributor to the revenue, greater contributor to the business as a whole, so they should be in, uh, entitled to purchase more individual shares in the company. Now, I, again, you guys can work this out, but the individual shares could be priced at whatever price point makes sense based on the startup cost and whatever other added uh, expense was necessary to get this out of the ground. That, um, so conceptually, that's how basically it works. It's a true partnership. You will, own, you will honestly own a portion of a company. Um, and then you, know, you guys could then decide, well, are my B shares, um, can I sell them? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. It would be up to basically how the structure worked. But hypothetically, if the, sell, if the shares become, generally speaking, by the way, B shares are not sellable. But if you wanted to make them sellable, that's something you could work out. That means that the individual B-share owners and the A-share owners, for that matter, the participants and the founders, they could all have something that is sellable. So they all basically get together, form one business entity, and then those shares themselves actually become something that's transferable or sellable. You've built an asset. You own part of something that is, you know, has actual honest-to-God value, unlike most real estate brokerages, which are only valued based on the number of agents and you know, a couple other variables. Uh, so the fun part. Just to be clear, 
The uh, just to drive a lot, draw a line under this point before I get to the fun part, the profit structure. All t- administrative functions of the team would become the liability ultimately of the founders. Okay, so just so you're clear on that, that aspect of it would be the liability of the founders. They would have to be hiring, firing, training, and all of that. The B share participants uh, would all share the admin staff. All the recruiting, hiring, training, all that Mickey Mouse would be done by the founders. The B share participants, to make this a no-brainer for them, cannot be uh, burdened with the actual running of the business. That is the liability of the founders. Again, the founders can also be agents. So you guys, again, this is just the concept. Now the profit structure, the fun part, right? The profit would be paid as distributions to the shareholders. Speak with your tax advisor. Julie and I are not accountants, but distributions generally are at a lower tax rate than regular income. So the distributions would be paid to all the shareholders. If there are 20 owners and the profit was a million dollars, the shares would, uh, uh, the holders would receive distributions according to the number of shares that they owned. Age, again, agents would be limited to the number of shares that they could buy to the transactional and revenue volume. Now, how do you open it up to selling more shares? What if someone's business were to take off, which is one of the things I kind of brainstormed for myself and thought it might be a challenge? Maybe once or twice per year, you can open up um, the business to selling more shares. But remember, there's a direct correlation between the number of shares that are purchasable and the dollar volume of the individual agent. And I would suggest, for accounting reasons, that you base it on a 12-month calendar year because someone might have a great month and think that they're allowed to buy more shares and you wouldn't want to do it that way. You want to see a long-term track record of making that happen. And also, I've said this twice, but I'm going to say this again. You might find an initial group of 20 agents that think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because I think it is a great idea. Um, I'm giving it all to you. This is us giving to you guys, so run with us if you choose to. So what will happen is, is if you were to sell, let's say, just keeping it simple, you're going to sell 20 shares to 20 individual agents um, for whatever dollar amount, and all of them are producing at an equal dollar amount per year. They're all producing, say, $250,000 a year. So right out of the gates, you basically have a multi-million dollar brokerage. No problem, right? So if you, for example, were to have one or two of those agents that were to stop producing, you would need to write into your, your, your guidelines, your governance, that uh, if their production dropped below a certain point, that those they'd either have to share sell some of their shares back, or all of their shares could be revoked by the entity because they were no longer participating. In other words, you have you can't uh, be attracting to you people agents that aren't producing that are just basically riding in the boat. Everybody in the boat has to be rowing the boat. So that's it. That's the broad stroke. That's what I think is going to be, or should be considered as what will be the next team brokerage business model. It combines all the elements of a team. It combines all the benefits of working with top producing agents, but it takes away all the hassles of owning your team. It really takes away all the hassles of owning a brokerage. No hiring, training, recruiting, because you're getting great people to participate. And from an individual rock star agent's perspective, I'm, you know, this concept's removing all the hassles of the structure, right? The, the, the building of your team, the the wet nursing everybody, the adult daycare, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. So, Julie, what do you think about it? Yeah, well, so I think that there's a built-in way for agents to be making more through their distributions. I think that you're taking all of the guesswork out of this. I think you've got what has to be higher retention, you know, another 
uh, big issue for brokers, constantly retrain, uh, recruiting and retaining. So I think that this pretty much covers all of the bases and will make an overall extremely stronger brokerage. And I mean, if I was an agent and I had B shares and I bought into that based on my production and I knew that by increasing my production, I could potentially buy more shares and get higher distributions, I mean, essentially, you're running a real business. You're not just kind of enhancing a hobby like some teams, quote, teams uh, have done in the past. So you want to have some accountability? This is one way to do it. If you want to have literally some buy-in, this is how you do it. So I think that it may cause teams and brokerages to be more honed in and potentially a little bit smaller in the beginning because it's going to attract agents that are really serious about this. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of the picture of it. If I were to walk into one of these offices set up this way, and I had a really killer transaction coordinator, and I had a dedicated, somebody that wasn't just learning marketing that I found online somewhere, but somebody that actually knew what they were doing and was dedicated to it. I mean, think how strong that brokerage would be, and think what immediate market share would occur from that. And then no agent would ever want to leave that brokerage. Hiring uh, the right people in a company, uh, we're hiring now. I think in the last two weeks, we've hired seven new coaches, and we're hiring a new admin. You know, and I've helped uh, brokerages with their staffing as well. It's hard. That job is really yes, – it's, it's constant. It's, it's hard. It's, yeah, and you've got to be real. So, but it, here's the thing. If you, as a rule, this is common sense, right? If you're able to pay more, you're going to attract the best people in the world. So right now – you know, let's be honest, there's not a lot of people that are attracted to work in real estate brokerages at any capacity. It's not really something that they're, when someone with, say, for example, a, you know, to use Julie's example, someone with a design degree from Parsons, you know, they're not flipping through, they're not flipping through the help wanted and they're not looking for a job at a real estate, locage, uh, real estate brokerage, most likely. I mean, that to them would be beneath them, except if it was paying above market for their services. All of a sudden, that real estate brokerage now has an incredible industry, you know, um, you know best of the best uh, marketing person working for them. Internet marketing could be done the same way. You know, so much of these really critical jobs are usually delegated to people that basically, okay, well, he wanted the job, so I gave it to him types. It doesn't have to work that way. And a model like this Again, I don't think financially this is going to work in all price ranges. I'm guessing that in the lower price ranges, it'll be harder to make something like this work. But for the most part in the country, something like this really could cause the industry on a whole to um, go to the next level. It allows the broker to focus on who their customer is, which is the agent, right? So the founders in our, using our vernacular, the founders are hypothetically the broker. Their customer is the agent. And it allows the agents to uh, focus on who their customer is, which is buyers and sellers. And it removes a lot of the um, confusion about who's on first, who's supposed to be doing what. At least conceptually it does. So there it is. That's what our proposal is for what might be the next uh, evolution of the real estate brokerage team model. Run with it. Play with it. It's open source. We give it to you. Let us know what you do with it. Uh, if you want us to participate in any uh, further conversations about this, obviously reach out. It will be our pleasure to do so. In the meantime, interesting radio show, not our normal fare. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let us know if you did. Let us know if you didn't. Either way, we're here to help you anytime. Remember, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk, you, talk with you on the radio tomorrow.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.